Welcome to episode number 95 of the Inspirational Athletes Podcast. I'm your host, John Walk, sports reporter for LNP Newspaper and LancasterOnline.com in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. On this week's show is new Lancaster Bible College men's basketball coach, Andrew Wingreen. Now, we recorded this episode on location at the Spooky Nook Sports Complex there in Mannheim back, I think, what was the second week of July during a multi-day basketball showcase event of a lot of high school uh, up-and-coming talent. My apologies. Um, I just wanted to, to mention that up front. We recorded this on location, so my apologies if the sound quality is not up to par like it normally is. Regardless, um, Coach Wingreen and I had a really fun conversation. We hit on his playing days, the medical setbacks he suffered um, kind of early on that led him to stop playing and instead pick up a whistle and begin coaching. The coaching journey that he's been on to now become a first-time head coach at Lancaster Bible College, his plans with the Chargers for the upcoming season, and much, much more. One last programming note before we move forward. If you guys like what you hear, feel free to hop on iTunes and search Always Lancaster inspirational athletes in the podcast section and hit subscribe. All right, with all that out of the way, onto our conversation with new Lancaster Bible College men's basketball coach, Andrew Wingreen. To give people an idea like this time of year for really any basketball coach, even though you are you know new at Lancaster Bible, but like, what is this like for you now? Um, just to kind of paint a picture, like are you all over different states in the Northeast area at least this time around? Yeah, I mean, so, Obviously, a lot of the hoop group stuff and elevate basketball stuff around the area has been the place that we're kind of hitting up, but trying to stay somewhat within the region. Obviously, I have some connections, you know, back in the Midwest and down south, so there's definitely some guys who I've, you know, built relationships with and I'm staying in touch with for the future just to see if we can get them up here, but yeah, for the most part, just staying. And I guess being a a private Christian school, you know, there's, there's players all over the country who are looking for that mm-hmm. specific thing and yeah. there's only so many options that they might have so maybe that's a benefit yeah no doubt I mean yeah. LBC obviously has a, a niche <clears throat> and it's uh, you know a unique place it's it does take a certain yeah. kind of fit student so word of mouth you know in our circle sometimes travels and right. you know we'll we'll get kids from from all around the country eventually to so. give people an idea like what are these I don't even know, has it been two months since you were hired? And, and um, what has it been, been like for yeah. you since that point? Yeah, so it's been close to two months. We've been out here in Pennsylvania for about a month now. But it's been fun just trying to get acclimated yeah. to the area and finding fun things to do. But, um, yeah, just getting getting to know everyone recruiting-wise and getting to know our guys and building those relationships. Probably, have you sat down, like, with all your returning guys one-on-one and stuff So like I've that? talked to all of them on the phone or FaceTime. Um, obviously, we have about six local guys who are on campus and around the area this summer. So those guys I've gotten to interact with a lot more um, as far as the guys who aren't local, you know, trying to stay in touch just – via text or phone call and yeah. and build that relationship. So then I guess really you're just waiting until the semester starts and then you can get yeah. the rest of your guys once they're yeah. here. Yeah, so it is, you know, yeah. you know, Division three has certain rules, so we can't just have all our guys come back on campus and do workouts <laughs> and things like that. Um, so it is kind of tough just, you know, waiting, waiting and seeing what we have and being and able to meet those guys. I was just uh, kind of going over some stuff again today and realized, like, man, this is uh, – third state that you've moved in in three years um at least for and you're married you have two young girls that's got to be really taxing and and, you know to do it a third time third year in a row what has that process been like for you it's it's been a journey um i think the toughest thing obviously is with the family just Mm -hmm. unpacking boxes packing them back up trying to 
you know, change all your bills and addresses and get that all oh, up right. to date. You know, just yeah. kind of the things you don't think about. Um, the move itself is hard, but meeting new people and building right. new relationships and leaving old relationships. So it is, you know, there's a, a certain aspect of frustration that goes along with it. And you, you lose some good relationships you've had, but you also have the excitement of building new ones and seeing new things. So right. it's, but yeah, it's been a fun journey and hopefully we'll be here now for a Before uh, we kind of get into the thick of things with your plans for LBC and stuff, mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you kind of some uh, some fun questions that maybe people might not know sure, about you. Sure. Um, when you're growing up, um, favorite player growing up or maybe even a favorite coach since you're a coach? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I was a big Michael Jordan guy, so I'm from Wisconsin, but just over the border and that was, you know, when Michael right. Jordan was, yeah. was the man and my room was all Chicago Did you go to Bulls, Bulls games then? Did you drive I did. Right? So we, we mostly went to, you know, I, I was closer to Milwaukee, so we went to a lot of Bucks games, but I was a, you know, big Michael Jordan guy and posters in my room and tried to emulate everything he did on right. the basketball court, sticking my tongue So uh, Jordan or LeBron? Oh, Jordan, no, no <laughs> doubt. Yeah, it's not right. even... Not even the debate we should be having. When you were growing up, um, like, what was the thing that said, I want to be this when I grow up? Yeah, so... When I was really young, my dad's a firefighter, so I always wanted to be a firefighter. Um, but then as I got older, I think, you know, playing, being a professional baseball player or a professional golfer was something that, you know, I kind of had that dream of doing. But Professional um, golfer. You know, huh? once I got into high school and college, I think God really gave me that call for being a coach, and mm -hmm. that's obviously where I'm at now. So, Are you still in the links today? I try to be. You know, obviously basketball takes up a lot of time, and all my free time, I try and spend with family so it's sometimes hard to get out there but I do love to golf and love to be out there. Are you splitting time like between the golf channel and like NBA season pass or something like that? <laughs> yeah so I've been you know yesterday and today I tried to have the golf channel on watching the open um, but yeah we we have some fun with that. What's the uh, last book that you read? Last book so I love to read um, the last book I read is so right now I'm reading a book called The Curious Christian by Barnabas Piper um, and that's kind of my, you know, non-basketball side of things. I've also been reading, rereading a book called Legacy, which is about the the All Blacks rugby team from Australia, and it's just a really cool read about culture and mm -hmm. building something special um, from this team who who's doing it all. So I, I really enjoyed that book and would would highly recommend yeah. that. You're probably like me. I'm like juggling three books and like five <laughs> different magazines and all that. It's yeah, just kind of just yeah. the life of a writer. Um, favorite sports movie. I do love sports movies. I would say <laughs> I don't, it's not the best movie, but Hoosiers is kind of my favorite story. Just I, I, it gets me. Um, we moved from South Bend, so I, I kind of had a uh, you nice. know being around Notre Dame. Rudy would be up there on the list, and um, but I would say probably my favorite one. I don't know why or what my reasoning is for this, but Miracle. I really like Miracle. Mm -hmm. It's a cool uh, inspirational mm -hmm. story and. Just a good movie. And to give people an idea, so you moved from uh, South Bend, Indiana to yep. Wisconsin then? Nope. So I'm originally from Wisconsin, but I was coaching just previously. Oh, all right. My bad. Yep. All right. Now I understand. Um, yeah. So you grew up in Burlington, Wisconsin, yep. um, town of 10,000 people, according mm -hmm. to your website. Yep. So relatively small. Um, I don't know when you say a town of 10,000, if you mean like the whole county as a whole, because like Dykstra County, for instance, is like 400,000 plus mm -hmm. people. So was it like a one stop or two light town or something like you that? You know, it's, it's a little bigger than a two light town, but not much bigger. I mean, we have, you know, have your fast food restaurants and a Walmart and ice cream shop, but it is a pretty small town. Um, you know, same town where, where Tony Romo is from. So, oh, nice. You know, we kind of share 
share that upcoming and upbringing. You're so a Cowboys fan then? I'm not. All right. I'm a big Packers fan, but I do. I like I like Tony. Of so, course, yeah, yeah. You grew up in Wisconsin. For sure. Duh. For sure. Um, might, people might not be familiar with this, but you were diagnosed with a heart ailment mm-hmm. at four years old, later progresses to your high school years, end up having open heart surgery. Um, can you just kind of walk, walk us through what, what happened there and what was the reasoning for it? Sure. Yeah, so I had a, a disease called Epstein's anomaly, which is, for lack of better terms, a malfunction of the tricuspid valve. And it never really bothered me um, growing up a whole lot until about my eighth grade year and that summer when I'd be playing basketball or uh, baseball, like something as simple as, you know, throwing a pitch or shooting a basket, like would trigger this rapid heart rate and my heart would get up to, you know, two, 300 beats per minute. And at first I was able to stop it by myself and, you know, kind of get that rhythm under control. But as it progressed that summer, I was in the emergency room several times and, you know, almost every day, uh, up to the point when, where they uh, finally had to do something. This is a stupid question, but for, for to give people a better idea, like when does it become dangerous just as far as heartbeats per minute? Yeah, so the normal rate, like if you're exercising, most, most people's hearts are around 180 beats per minute. Okay. So, um, you know, a lot of athletes, they'll, they'll get up to 190, 200, and that's kind of the healthy heart. But, yeah, mine was getting up to, you know, 250, 300, and just very dangerous levels. Of is there any reasoning? Is like, is it hereditary as to why you got it? It's just no, yeah, just bad fortune. Some, yeah, something yeah. that God wanted to, to put in my life, and 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 eventually three surgeries yeah. by the end of it. Yeah, and so uh, because of all that stuff that was going on, my doctor said, "Hey, man, we we're doing, we got to do something about this," and ended up going to Minnesota to the Mayo Clinic and had open heart surgery, and they were going to try and go in and fix my tricuspid valve and they went through that surgery it didn't necessarily respond as good as they wanted it to so they decided to go in for a second surgery and replace it with an artificial pig valve and during that surgery there were a lot of complications um, some pretty major complications and my heart was thrown into all these wacky rhythms and kind of getting to a very dangerous level so they had to go in again and put a pacemaker in and uh, try and you know, fix fix that up as good as possible, but because of the damage that was done, just, you know, wasn't ever able to fully recover and get my heart back to normal, so had, you know, basketball and a lot of those things that I loved playing taken away from me, yeah. at, you know, in high school, so. And I'll get to that in a second, because yeah. I think that really impacts where you're at now, today, mm-hmm. like, had that not happened, you probably wouldn't be here, but yeah. to, to a pacemaker, so you still have that in your chest now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, does that limit you in any way as far as either exercise or coaching or being a father and yeah. getting stressed I mean, out and stuff like that? Or I wouldn't say it limits me a whole lot on a day-to-day basis. Actually, it's pacing the whole time, so it probably helps me, you know, keeps my heart going the right way. But if I do exercise, um, it has certain settings on it to where it, you know, won't let my heart go over a certain amount or it won't let it go under a certain amount of beats per minute. So... Um, if I do exercise, it will limit me, and I feel like I yeah. hit a brick wall, and I get really tired very fast, and have to stop and let it, let it kind of get back you, down. You're in really great shape. Like, do you, oh, do you. you regularly exercise, or is it no? Just I think I think my my figure is more that's more hereditary. I definitely come. <laughs> my parents are skinny, and um, you know, so I do. I like to stay active though, and like to do that, and just have to. I just have to be careful with it and make right. sure. You know, I'm not overdoing it or put myself in a So did, were you at um, Northland International University 
when when they said okay you can't play anymore or did that come back in high school? That was in high school. Okay. Yep. So I was in high school and then when I went to Northland, um, I was able to play golf and I was able to play volleyball, but I still couldn't get cleared to play mm-hmm. basketball. So that was your intention when you went there to yeah. maybe like try I out. I want I wanted to. Okay. I knew I knew it was a long shot with my cardiologist and knew yeah. I probably wouldn't get to, but um, you know at the time very obviously frustrated very bitter very angry at my that's doctors. A sport you love man yeah yeah so I mean just I, it was a hard time um, just mad at God mad at my parents mad at whoever was in my way like just I just had a lot of bitterness inside of me so um, those that first year in college was really tough I, I went through a lot but had had two men who were co- one was a coach for the men's team and and one was the coach for the women's team they kind of took me under the their basketball yeah basketball okay. and they kind of took me under their wing and um, you know, I was able to jump in as a student assistant with the men's team and got tossed into coaching right away. And so was like the NIU coach kind of like aware of your intentions to try out, and then you were staying in touch with him. Hey, yeah, this so can't happen. It was actually then, interesting. Okay, how we met too was so my first year at Northland, the the head coach was also the golf coach, and so I played golf for the head oh. basketball coach. But there was one trip where. Um, our head golf coach couldn't come on, so his assistant basketball coach took us. And that next year, there was a transition in the coaching staff, and so that assistant wow. took over. But I met him on a, on a golf trip, and we shared a room together and just kind of got talking about coaching and basketball, and that's kind of where that relationship started was actually on a golf trip. So then, like, your final three years at NIU, were mm-hmm. you, like, an assistant or a team manager, like, yeah, for the basketball so, team or something? So my, my title is student assistant, but I did everything a coach would do. So recruiting, scouting, you know, ran some stuff wow. in practices, which was kind of a weird dynamic, just being with my peers and, you know, telling them what to do. It was you know, you had to be a little careful with that, but yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't a team manager. Was was just tossed into the. So when do you kind of like realize? You know, maybe I should give this coaching thing a shot. Yeah, I mean, I think through that, I really gathered more of a love and knew I was good at it, and you know, a lot of the guys respected what I was saying, and it was it was something I loved to do. So um, it just ignited. You know, I have a few aunts and uncles who are coaches, so coaching's always been around. But that that time being a student assistant really ignited. They like high school. The aunts and high uncles like high school, school coaches. Coach? Okay, I know. And that's kind of what I thought I was going to do going into college was teach and teach and coach at the high school level. Um, oh, cool. But getting involved with college athletics really made me want. What to uh, college. what did you study in particular at Northland? Yeah, so my major was sport ministry, okay. um, and I minored in history. So I was thinking I was going to be a history teacher, um, just like my uncle was, and coach basketball. Are you a big history buff then? I do. I, I like history. I wouldn't say I'm the most knowledgeable. I don't know if I would have made a good history teacher or not, but I do. I love, you know, war movies and war stories. I don't know if uh, strategy and leadership you've only been in Lancaster for a couple months now. I don't know if you've had time to look into uh, James Buchanan or uh, Thaddeus Stevens or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, I, I haven't, yeah. but that's one right. thing that excites me about this area with all the, all the <clears> history. It's pretty cool. Uh, graduated from NIU 2011. Um, I guess, did you stay on for a year as an assistant yeah, coach so there? Yeah, I, I was a married student. We were there for one year. And then uh, t- next, what, five, six seasons, 2012 through 2017, uh, Coach uh, Wingreen goes on to help out as an assistant at Bob Jones University. Um, or is that South Carolina, North Carolina? Yeah, Greenville, South Carolina. Um, and that that program is essentially starting anew, like, from the ground up. Yeah. Um, 
Were you there like year one when it started? Yeah, year Isn't one. A real, so, okay. yep. The guy who's still the athletic director down there brought me on um, wow. that first year, and we, we were able to build that program just from the ground up, trying to – we inherited a bunch of intramural players who were okay, but obviously not ready to play at the college level. And, yeah, that first year we were 6-24. and 24. Um, it was a rough time, took a few on the chin, but yeah. it was fun to make it our own and build it and recruit to that. For those who are unfamiliar, obviously it's it's down in South Carolina, but it's it's also starting from the ground up, but it's also a, like a private, mm-hmm. is it a Christian school? Yep, Faith it is. is. Okay. Yeah, private Christian um, school. So you kind of like, you're limited in, in terms of the players that you have, I guess essentially like, hey, we're starting a program from a new, mm-hmm. like we're this small little tiny school, come here. But then like you're also very private and it's a lot of strict rules that players have to adhere by. Mm-hmm. Um, with all that being said, like what kind of challenges were there in terms of recruiting or bringing players to the program? Yeah, no, it was, it was really hard. Um, I would say, you know, probably the toughest thing was not, nobody knew from a basketball standpoint who Bob Jones oh, University right. was. So it was trying to get the name out there and trying to figure out what is this program about. And if you would tell people, they would, you know, first thing you do, go to Google, you type it in. And, you know, unfortunately, Bob Jones has a lot of bad history mm-hmm. um, just with, you know, racial issues and just conservative Christian issues, mm-hmm. just a lot of stuff. So if you Google it, you see a lot of bad things about mm-hmm. the school. And so especially, you know, in basketball, the African-American kids were recruiting they read these things and it was mm. really hard to overcome that and you know Bob Jones isn't like that anymore but they have a history right. of it and it was just something we had to jump hurdles with and it was how does your your role as an assistant coach how does it progress in those five or six seasons um like I imagine when you start there yeah. like since a program starting from the ground up are you pretty much just doing everything that you can to help your head coach and like that you don't really like yeah you're an assistant but you're yeah. handling eight million responsibilities and yeah so our our head basketball coach was also the athletic director so he gave me a lot of responsibility wow. um, right. just day-to-day operations and planning practices carrying out workouts and you know I, I had a lot of a lot of the responsibilities that a lot of head coaches have yeah. and so I'm very thankful for that because I think it prepared me to be a head coach, just mm-hmm. you know, kind of being tossed into these things that a lot of assistants don't get the chance to do. So yeah, um, yeah, every, pretty much trying to help him out, carry carry some weight off his shoulders, but um, right. yeah, kind of trying to make it my own too and, right. and have fun. With um, that. So I guess what five seasons there, 2017-18 season, a year at uh, as an assistant at Bethel College in Indiana, and then June 1st, 2018. Uh, coach Andrew Wengreen is announced as the head basketball, the new head men's basketball coach at Lancaster Bible College. Um, so you had been coaching, I don't know, half dozen years or so, mm-hmm. give or take a season here. Um, what made you felt ready to toss your hat in the ring and, and take that next step from assistant to head coach? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I think being a head coach is something I've wanted to do for the last year or two, and I think I felt prepared just kind of because of you know the opportunities I had at the previous school, but um, being at Bethel was very good for me because it's a storied program. You know, Mike Mike Lightfoot, who was there for 30 years, is just a legendary coach and has over 700 wins and just one of the guys that everyone knows in the coaching world. And he retired and his son took over. So, you know, being at Bethel, um, working with Ryan Lightfoot was, was real good for me, just being a part of a winning program, seeing what it takes to win at a high level. Um, and it, it put me in a lot of uncomfortable situations too that I wasn't used to and I wasn't um, 
hadn't had experience with before, so uh, it just kind of gave me a new perspective, and I had a front row seat to a first-year head coach mm. and somebody who was trying to make it his own and figure it out and, you know, following in the footsteps of his dad, who was a legend in the area. So um, I think being there really prepared me, and I, I felt really good about when, you know, the LBC job opened up. Uh, it was a perfect fit, just not only from a basketball perspective, but just you know, as, as a person, being yeah. part of what the mission is of LBC was a perfect fit. So I, I really wanted to go for it. I knew some people out here and had some connections. And Who would you good. say, since you just kind of, I was going to ask you later as far as like coaches that have influenced you over the years, but, uh, you know, I, know, I imagine probably every stop that you've been at, all the mm-hmm. head coaches that you've been under, uh, their leadership and whatnot, you probably learned from him. But over the years, you've gone to so many camps. I sure. imagine you probably read so many books. You just mentioned sure. a couple earlier. Um, and you're probably watching as much video as you can on different styles and, and plays and all that stuff. Like, yeah. who would you kind of say is up there as far as, like, you've probably taken bits and parts, I guess, from a lot. But I didn't know if there's, yeah. like... I don't know, a top five, top ten list, or you don't even have to listen to them, but I'm just sure, kind of curious sure. who you think has impacted you. Yeah, I really, you know, I really do, like you said, take uh, take the good from a lot of people. So if they do something well, I, I really want to emulate that. And if they do something bad, I want to learn from it and not do it that way. But I would say if I just toss, you know, a guy everyone knows, Brad Stevens, like he's, he's the type of guy who I want to be like just – um, you know, I kind of have that poised and composed demeanor like he does, and I'm nowhere near his basketball mm-hmm. IQ, but he's a guy who I look up to and learn from a lot. Um, some guys who I'm closer to, um, a guy named TJ Rosine down at Emmanuel College, he's, he's a guy who, as far as culture goes and the way he runs a program, is someone who I look up to greatly and um, is a good friend of mine. Um, and then, like, some of the guys who I've been with, you know, mm-hmm. Paul Witt and Pete Weary, who you know, are not big time coaches, but just the way they use basketball as a ministry and as a way to impact people for, you know, the rest of their life. It's not just about basketball, but it's about who you are as a man, who you are as a dad and father and husband. How much, uh, not to cut you up, but like how much are you leaning on them now as you're going into a a new program for you? Um, you know, it's kind of already established. They, they've won a couple conference championships, a couple mm-hmm. NCAA tourney appearances in the last few seasons. I don't know, are you talking to other head coaches in the area? Like, hey, what did you do your first year and trying to kind of learn from them or anything? Yeah, I wouldn't say in the area, but I've definitely... Or like coaches that you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, I've definitely reached out to guys, you know, both experienced head coaches and asking them what would you have done differently in your first year. Um, I've also talked to guys who were new head coaches and mm-hmm. asking what they're doing, what... You know, what are some things you did last year as a head coach who, that you would have done differently? And right. yeah, I just I'm just trying to bounce ideas off guys and get input. And a lot of it isn't so much X's and O's, but it's just relating with players and how much do you want to change, how much do you not want to change, um, expectations, how do you manage those? So different things that are kind of behind the scenes, trying to get a good perspective on. Um, yeah, because there's gonna there's a lot of returning talent that you have to work yeah. with from yeah. a team that uh, let's see, a, a 23 and six last season, 15 one in the conference, um, second second NCAA tourney, tournament berth um, ever in the program history, um, also in the conference tournament. So like you have a ton of returning talent from that, and it's like okay. 
you, what worked last season, like you don't want to screw things up as far yeah. as, but then you also want to apply your coaching touch, and that's going to be challenging, I'm sure, yeah. but I'm wondering how yeah. you're going about that. No doubt. I mean, I, I, you got to give those guys credit for what they've done. I mean, Coach Filson and the, the mm-hmm. previous staff did a great job building this program and getting it to a national level, competing for conference championships and getting to tournaments. So, um, you know, these guys have accomplished a lot, but at the same time, I want to, I want to come in, you know, with – well, understanding where we've been, like I'm not, I'm not content with that, and I want to mm-hmm. make sure that we don't get complacent with what we're doing. You know, there are guys understand their success, but at the same time, know we have a whole lot more to give because we do, and right. we're, you know, while we want to keep winning NEAC championships, we also want to make runs at national championships, and we want to make this program take that next, yeah, step. something that yeah. that's recognized across the country, not just in our region. <clears throat> so, uh, just really talking to the guys about, um, we have this idea of pursuing three pursue three and that's having god first in our lives and making sure other people are second and putting ourselves third so Mm. i think so many times and i've learned this from indiana wesleyan their coaching staff in indiana but they they talk about being i am third and this is kind of where i stole this idea from but the world so many times tries to Mm. say it's all about you and then it's all about people and then if you have time for god like we're good Mm. but i really want to flip that on its head and say God first other second you know mm. that being our teammates our families our peers um, really putting them before ourselves and I think when we have that mentality everything kind of starts and ends with that foundation so you know our success is going to be only as good as how we live out that mindset of is that a pursuing three I imagine you probably applied that to your life as well like did, did you not used to be like that as far as that yeah. Where where those three things would fall in terms of importance? Yeah, no, I guess. no doubt. Yeah. I I mean I think for for anyone it's so easy to be yeah. selfish and you look out for you and if you if you're doing okay then you can start giving time to others. But if if your world's not perfect, mm-hmm. like you're you're thinking about that. I think that's a natural thing as humans and as you know people who aren't perfect. That's what mm-hmm. we kind of gravitate towards. But really trying to make you know our our identity in something bigger and putting our identity in God and making that our first priority and and really making an effort to love others and love people before ourselves and that's that takes a lot of humility and, and probably that's not easy to do trusting in his plan just in terms of all that you've been through with the the heart ailment and, mm-hmm. and the surgeries and that leading to coaching and now it's gotten you here at the time you don't see that yeah um and this kind of just popped in my head as you were talking there but I wonder like what if your heart was perfectly fine? What if you didn't have surgeries? What yeah. if you would have continued playing basketball at NIU? Like, do you think coaching would have fallen in line, or would you yeah. be at some place different today in a different career? Yeah, no, exactly. And it's I, every time I, you know, because it is still frustrating when you have a heart disease and you're like, I can't do these certain things. I mean, you you get a little frustrated, but always reminding myself that God is sovereign and mm-hmm. He know He knows what He already had this planned out before I was even around, mm-hmm. and. Um, just seeing how God has used coaching and how he's used my story mm. to impact other people. I mean, yeah, it sucks at times, but I also see a greater purpose in it. And I see I see why I can still influence people and impact their lives through this disease I have. And I think that's really cool. And if that's yeah. what God has for me and that's his calling for me, like I'm going to embrace that fully and use it for his glory. That's beautiful, too. Plus, you know, you're going to, I'm sure you've even had to this point players who go through tough hardships in life mm-hmm. and you can kind of share your experiences or yeah. at least relate to them in a way. Um, not to change subject here, but uh, what does a, an Andrew 
Wingreen style coach team look like offensively and defensively? Like, what should we expect in like survival college? Yeah, so it might be you know a lot of the same, but a little bit different than what people have seen in the past. Um, I'm a little bit more defensive minded than the previous staff mm-hmm. and that Lancaster's been in the last few years, but. I really want to still play up-tempo. I want to play an exciting brand of basketball, one that, you know, when people leave our games, they're going to say, man, that was fun. Like, mm-hmm. those guys play hard. They love each other. They're in it for each other. Um, I, think, I think so many times competition is all about going at somebody or going against somebody, and I really want people to see us being for each other. I want mm-hmm. it to be, um, you know, those guys are fearless, and they, they take risks, they make mistakes, but they bounce back and respond. And I just want us to have that tough mindset to, to keep going. So that's, in a nutshell, kind of what I want people yeah. to see. Yeah, so uh, tough defense, and then as soon as you get the ball, it's pushing the floor. It's not bringing it up slow, yeah. half court. Uh, if so, obviously, if, if you push it and someone's not there, bring it out and do the half <laughs> yeah, court. Yeah, for sure, like for sure. We want, we want to create deflections and turnovers and run the floor and try and score as many layups right. and transition as possible. Um, we're kind of around the same age, um, and I bring that up to the fact that, like, you know, at least I played in a, in a time when maybe it was the final years of this. It's just as far as basketball being played inside out. I feel like so much nowadays, at least I've been covering high school basketball now for eight years, and, and so much is going maybe partially because of the Golden State Warriors. Everybody's yeah. going outside in. So with that being said, um, what, what have you seen as far as, like, uh, the style of basketball changing and how have you been able to adjust or evolve and just in terms of coaching I know you've been an assistant for a sure, while now sure. being a head coach but I didn't know if you had a, a take on that yeah I mean obviously people love shooting the three ball nowadays and it the the true big really is not part of the game in a lot of places and you know I, I just came from a school at Bethel where we had two really good bigs I mean two guys who were great back to the basket and I saw how that was very <laughs> successful but a lot of schools aren't blessed with that. I think a nice thing we have at Lancaster is, um, you know, we got two guys with Christo and, and Quentin who mm-hmm. aren't true bigs by any means. They're definitely going to play, you know, a little different, but there's no one else in our conference that matches that size. So just being able to find ways to utilize those guys. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of big on the positionless basketball. I don't really like yeah. saying, hey, you're, you're a point guard, you're a big, you're a shooting guard. Like, I really want guys to do multiple things so I want our bigs to be able to play on the perimeter and I want our guys you know our guards to play inside and just being able to exploit matchups and use scouting reports to to uh you know show the chinks in the other team's defense basketball's going that way yeah and I I think that's what you have to do just get creative and have fun with it right um so it's a lot of like if you don't have this bit at least some teams I've seen if you don't have the bigs like it's uh let's put five guards out there and just run our offense and see what happens see what works um what is uh Andrew Wingering like on game day what are you going to be like on the sidelines yeah I just like having fun I I would say I'm a little bit focused like I have my mind on the game but I'm not I don't get quiet um Actually, I've you know I've been known to play mini golf or putt putt in the office with the guys before games and just like trying to keep them loose. I think this game's supposed to be fun and we, we want to have fun playing it. And obviously, there's an aspect of seriousness that goes along with it. But if, if guys are out there worrying about making mistakes or worried about what are people going to think or what's coach going to think, nobody's going to excel and you know play to their potential. So I just want guys to to trust that they prepared. I want you know that. I'll be confident knowing how we're going to practice, that we, we're going to earn confidence to go out and play well, and we're going to earn that respect. So guys have nothing to worry about. So I just I want to be loose, want to be prepared, and, and right. have a good time. You, uh, you've given a lot of great advice so far. It's kind of the point where like I like to ask guests just as far as is there anything – 
I don't know, maybe you could leave us with that people could take out that maybe they could apply to their own lives to make them a better person or maybe somebody's going through a hardship um, in their life. I don't know if there's like a word, words of wisdom and you're a coach, so you probably <laughs> had, could write a book on this, but I, I don't, don't know, know if you could pick that. out something as far as like, yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, I think in my life, I'll just kind of share sure. what I go through personally. I think the biggest thing I've, I've had to learn and I'm still learning is just to put my vision and my focus on things that are important so you know as a young coach I got very you know and this can go for any really any profession but I got very involved in, in the coaching side of things and it took up a lot of my time and it you know it was all about me and I didn't always give you know God the time of day my family the time of day and being a young dad didn't always know how to balance mm-hmm. that but as I get older and I learn and I make mistakes I think just making sure we do like we go back to that you know that pursue three mindset that you you if you're a Christian you make time for God like you you got to get in the word um, I think it's so important and I, it's not easy I'm really bad at it and I'm really bad at being consistent with it mm. but just making sure that we're we're listening to what God has to say for us and then using that to put other people first so your family like just you know I've I've I think I've wasted some time with my wife and my kids just because maybe I spend too much time in the office or I'm too focused on a scouting report. And it's, while I'm home even, I, sometimes I wasn't always there. Like my, my mind was not mm. focused. So just being, being there, being present, being, uh, making other people priority, loving on them, serving them. Plus, um, you're, you're young too and you're trying to make your way up and, and you yeah. have this in the back of your mind. So I got to prove myself. And I'm like that too, man. I'm only 31. Um, and it's like I'm still at that point where I got to prove myself as a writer. Yeah. This, this, I hope this coach respects me because I wrote this flowing piece. And it's, they probably could care less. But, yeah. And it's like I put this pressure and maybe it's not real. So maybe, you know, so many times I've had people on this podcast where it's like they made it from point A to point Z and you're almost like you're in the middle of it. Like mm-hmm. you're still trying to get on that that cuffs of, of standing on the throne and saying, look at me. But you're trying to – you've learned now to yeah. like, no, there's somebody else on the throne that, that needs to be – Yeah, and yeah. I, think, I think people – when you serve and you you do put other people first, I think that is the best way to success. Like I think that's the that's the way up the ladder. Mm-hmm. So if you're trying to make it to the next level, like fi- find a way to serve. Mm-hmm. So many people want to see what they can get out of it. But is that going to be a big thing for you with your players? Like I, I want to. Into, and I, yeah. I hope to exemplify that just through how I am, and I hope they see that yeah. that's my heartbeat and that's my mindset. And it's you never you can really never force anybody to do that but you can kind of show them the way and you can love them in a way that it impacts their life and eventually it just rubs off and that's kind of where i want to go i'm not i'm not a driver i don't want to just say hey this is how it's going to be and you guys are going to do x y but i want them to see how it impacts people and how it's so important um to be a leader and i want them to see leadership as an avenue to to get to you know, be successful. Awesome. Um, well, hey, if you guys and gals liked what you hear today, then you'll enjoy listening to the previous 94 episodes. Last week, we chatted with Cocalico alum Andy Burkholder. Uh He's going to his fifth season as the head men's basketball coach at NCAA Division II American International College in Massachusetts. Next week, I'm kind of switching things up a bit. Every so often, we'd like to kind of chat with folks from maybe a local organization or a nonprofit that's helping people improve their lives possibly through physical activity and i think this kind of fits the mold as we'll be chatting with some folks 
from the local Girls on the Run organization. They've helped for several years now girls in Lancaster County, often through physical activities that kind of focus on improving their health and, and confidence. I think it's a really good cause, and I'm looking forward to that conversation. Um, with that being said, I'm always looking for any guests, uh, any suggestions for future guests on this show. So if you listen to this and think you know somebody that would make a good guest, feel free to throw me an email jwalk at lnpnews.com or contact me on the Twitter at jwalklnp. Um, Coach, uh, kind of your time for plugs. Where can people follow your journey and find out more information about the program? Yeah, I mean, uh, if you visit, uh, what is it, lbcchargers.com, had to remember the website, um, you know, you can get our schedule and see everything with the roster. Um, we want to be really active on social media too, so mm-hmm. our basketball team, it's lbc underscore hoops, and you can follow on Twitter or Instagram. Um, and then personally, if you want to follow me on any avenue, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, uh, my handle's Coach Wingreen. Yeah, so. and uh, I forgot to ask you this at the start because uh, we're recording this um, thanks to the fine folks at Spooky Nook and, and Jim Shipper for lining up this room in which we're recording in because there's a big tournament coming up this weekend. Um, what, without naming names, but like what after you go out of this room today, what are you going to be looking for in a player that stands out in your mind? Do you have a checklist that you're going down? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing right now is obviously I, I had talked about Christo and Q, uh, how, how important they are to our team. And they're, they're seniors, so they're going to be mm-hmm. gone. And we really need to work guard heavy. We have a lot of little guys mm-hmm. who are good players, but um, we need to find some guys who we can get some size with and not only excel on the basketball court, but excel as a fit at LBC. So we'll uh, be making relationships and making connections and trying to find that next one. So if a guy stands out because he's tall and then, okay, maybe I'm going to have my eye on him, I imagine there's probably certain skills that you're looking for. Are you also looking at, like, body language? Like, what's, what's I don't know, are you going to be yeah, in the I back mean, of your mind? I've always, you know, athleticism and skill is always, you know, mm-hmm. if they don't have that, it's really hard to recruit a kid. So that, that always is the first thing that I look at is can he even play? Um, after that, I do. I look at their demeanor, how they respond to coaches, how they're talking to their parents after games, what's their awesome. interaction with the teammates on the bench. Um, and, yeah, I think that stuff is so important, the character of a kid, um, whether they're Christian or a non-Christian, <coughs> just how they, how they handle themselves and how they perform is, is huge. So we'll, we'll find that stuff and then narrow it down and find the best fits. Awesome. Good luck. Well, hey, uh, one last programming note. Just want to say thanks to my colleagues Tyler Huber and Irene Snedder. They're the engineers who get this thing together. Thanks to another colleague, Claudia Esmanchit. She gets this thing up online. Thanks again to Spooky Nook for hosting this um, and allowing me a room in which to record and sit down with these coaches these last couple weeks. Thanks to all you guys for listening, Coach. Uh, thanks for sharing your story and your vision and best luck at uh, Lancaster Bible. Yeah, thank you very much. Appreciate awesome. It.